Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive News Radio, broadcast from the law offices of Pretoria Law in Tysons, Virginia. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, Mark Haas, Association for Enterprise Growth, David Kunzman, Pretoria Law, Gal Borenstein, Borenstein Group, Josh Levy, Brunch Digital, and Jack Bender, FEC Bank. Uh, we have a great lineup of guests for you on our show today, including Sherri-Ann Kelly, President and CEO, Association of Chamber of Commerce Executives, Jim Loretto, Managing Partner of Voke Consulting, Jennifer Wayman, President and CEO of Hager Sharp, and Kevin Keeney, President and Founder of Keeney Produce. Let's get to know our first guest, Sherry Ann Kelly, President and CEO, Association of Chamber of Commerce Executives. Sherry Ann Kelly, what is the Association of Chamber of Commerce Executives? So we are the association that represents chamber professionals in the U.S. and around the world. Uh, we have about 1,500 chambers that are members of ours, and that translates to about 8,000 professionals who take part in our activities. Wow. Where are you from originally? Baltimore. Uh-huh. How many brothers and sisters? I'm an only child. Josh? So earlier you said <coughs> excuse me, something about uh, when you're 11 about fr- uh, French and France. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So uh, when my parents were on their honeymoon, uh, they saved up all their money to go to Paris, but they didn't speak any French. So they had a lot of challenges while they were there, and they decided they wanted to have their only child take French lessons so they could take me back to France with them, and I could serve as host, travel agent, and help them out throughout the country. Or as the leader. I guess that's pretty accurate, although I'll tell you that's the only time I was allowed to lead my parents. (laughs) So you were 11 years old, you had taken French lessons, you were helping your parents around France. How were you doing that? I had to ask for directions, uh, ask where the restrooms were, read menus, hail a cab. Were they like pandering to you? Are you sure they couldn't speak French? I'm, I'm certain they could not. So they really <laughs> depended on you. They did, absolutely, and um, forced me to learn how to talk to strangers and, and lead other people. Uh, so you like it when people depend on you. I do, absolutely. I think it's it's nice to be in a position where you can be helpful to others. It's nice to be in a position where you can be helpful. Isn't that what you do for a living? It is. Um, I really was drawn to this job because I wanted to be able to help people. And what I end up doing is I'm helping individuals who are helping their communities. They're really community warriors. You making spoke those about the ripple better. effect. You're causing a ripple effect, helping people that help people. That's exactly how I see it. Absolutely. Oh, mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, David. What do you, what do you got? Um, when you get back from Paris, you turn age 12, and earlier you told us you started a babysitter's club. Tell us about that. Yes. So um, I wanted to make some money on the side. I liked babysitting, so I tried to get some friends involved with me in a babysitter's club so we'd have a larger pool of babysitters available. Uh, tried to make that happen, sort of fell apart. I was the only one who was putting in uh, a lot of effort to make it happen. Yeah, but there's that ripple effect again. I mean, from an early age, you were designing a business model that had a ripple effect. That's what we were shooting for. It didn't quite pan out, but that's what I was aiming for. What did you learn from that experience? Well, it's okay to fail. That was sort of the first failure that I'd had. Um, But I also learned it takes a lot of work to get other people to work with you. It takes a lot of work to build a business, marketing it, talking about what you're doing. And take some confidence. And in, in your next job, you took a job you didn't even know how to do it. That's true. Uh, So my first real paycheck, I was a short order cook at a coffee shop. Uh, The challenge was I didn't know how to cook, so I had to learn that from scratch. Um, But also working with people who were a lot older than I was. Um, And after a little bit of time, I ended up becoming the assistant night manager for the group. Mm -hmm. So, again, got to learn how to manage others. Jack? There's a really common theme of jumping in, a lot of things that you maybe weren't comfortable with that you just sort of leapt into and, and took on. Where does that come from, and were you always comfortable doing that? You know, I, I do like having something that makes me feel uncomfortable, having something scary on my calendar. I think that's um, how I can grow and how I can stretch as, a, as an individual and as a professional. And I think I've, uh, I've always felt that way probably since the, the trip to France. Uh, gal? I understand uh, from uh, what you told us that uh, your mom and dad are in different professions. Can you tell us what they do? Sure. Uh, my father was a photographer, and my mother worked for the Social Security Administration. And how do you think that impacted your career path and your inspiration for leadership today? 
you know, I picked up uh, definitely talents from both. You know, my father being creative, but he also started his own business, uh, was a solo entrepreneur. Uh, my mother had to manage people who were in a field completely outside of her own expertise. So learning how to work with people from different backgrounds as well. So it looks like the challenging part is the uh, common thread in your career. I, I think that's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Mark? How do you approach uh, challenges? You say you like uh, uncomfortable things on the calendar. What's your approach? What's your philosophy about uh, about addressing those challenges? I do think most challenges are opportunities. So when I'm faced with a challenge, I like to gather as much information as I can. I don't make a lot of knee-jerk reactions. Uh, so I try to gather input from stakeholders who are involved, listen, try to find common themes, and then build consensus. I'm sort of a collaborative decision maker. Sure. Is, that a, is that a philosophy you expect of your employees? I do. Um, I think it's important for everyone to work together. And I also think listening is oftentimes much more valuable than talking. So I expect uh, for everyone to sort of listen to one another and hear where they're coming from. But you are an only child. How did that play out? When you're expecting that from others, you were, you were just you. You know, that's a really good point. I think for me, I had to learn how to sort of relate to my parents almost as an adult from a young age. So I had to listen. They had to listen to me. And it became sort of a mutually respectful kind of relationship. I think maybe that's, I feel like I'm on a therapy couch. That maybe how, is, is the root. How, how high is up? Oh, wow. How high is up? I don't think there's a ceiling. So what are you talking about? I mean, you're, you've got a job. You're getting paid a salary. You're supposed to do certain things. What do you mean? I love what I do, um, I, and I don't think it has to do with the salary at all. I think the lack of the ceiling is what can we get accomplished? How much of a difference can we make? How much change can we actually um, create in our own worlds? I, I don't think there's so a So what kind of change that. can the Association of Chamber of Commerce Executives make? What's great, like I said, these are community warriors. They make their communities better places to live, work, visit, um, and that just makes our whole world better. So, again, I think there's no limit to what can happen, and they're really the people who are making it happen. So do you ever see the effect of the ripple effect that you're creating? And if you do, what's that look like? You know, if we can help empower a, a chamber CEO from a very small town to figure out new and creative ways to attract business to their market or to attract talent to some of the jobs that they have available, well, then we see that whole community sort of thrive and become a better place. That's what's, a, what's, a, what's the best part of your day? best part of my day is hearing that we have helped someone and helped make their lives a little bit easier, uh, make their job smoother. That, that's the best part. That's the uh -huh. reward. Next question. Who's got Which it? Which mentor uh, propelled you to this ripple effect? Yeah, uh, it's, that's a really good question. And I, I'm not sure that I've got one clear mentor. I feel like I've picked up pieces um, along the way and just learned from previous bosses, other leaders. And I think sort of a selfless leadership role is one that speaks to me. So, Do you see like any that. connection between uh, having to translate French for your parents and, and the ripple effect? Hmm. Wow, that's that's a tough question. I, you know, I think for me, it's always seeing the opportunity. I didn't view having to translate as a real challenge. I saw it as a chance for me to try something different, to meet new people, to help solve problems for my family. But it always evolves as a language, as a, an opportunity to learn something new. It, absolutely, and I see that translating into my job now. Mm -hmm. Jack, what else are you thinking? I uh, was actually you wanted to go back a little bit in the green room. Uh, we were talking. You said you were very shy as a kid initially. Uh, mm -hmm. Would you sort of attribute, you know, your successes to putting yourself in uncomfortable positions and sort of becoming more comfortable with interacting with new people? And where does that come from? I, I absolutely think that's a, a key point. Um, the fact that I had to do all of this work in France with strangers made me very comfortable around people that I didn't know. Um, it helped me with public speaking because I wasn't afraid to talk in front of strangers, uh, interview skills. It just sort of trickled through, I think, all of my, my career. It didn't bother you that um, you could have gotten your parents lost or something rotten could have happened or, you know, everybody would have starved to death in the middle of Paris because... They were depending on you? I think I was so young it didn't cross my mind. I didn't have the fear then that maybe you would have uh, at an older age. Mm -hmm. Josh? You were in control, though. You could hear something and tell them something different that wasn't the true translation. Mm -hmm. So how, does, how, are you, how do you control that? 
you know, I should have had us go to an amusement park instead of all <laughs> the museums that we visited. But, you know, I, I wanted to do the right thing. And I wanted to make sure that uh, my family was safe and they were getting the things that they'd wanted. So you're always looking out for others. That's what I try to do. Uh-huh. Um, the Your job, do you do a lot of travel with your job? I do an awful lot of travel, yes. And, I, and why are you traveling? Um, so I have to go out and meet with all of our members because there's no better way to figure out what's working and what's not unless you actually get to their ground and see it firsthand. Mm-hmm. What's the website address of this organization known as the Association of Chamber of Commerce Executives? It's acce.org. Let me have that one more time. acce.org. We've been speaking with Sherry Ann Kelly, President and CEO of Association of Chamber of Commerce Executives here on Executive Leaders Radio. We'll be back right after this business spotlight. And your name and organization is? Um, my name is Daniel Patterson. I work for Brunch Digital. And what's your role at Brunch Digital? I'm the business development manager. So what, what's that mean? What are you supposed to be doing at Brunch Digital? I'm basically doing everything I can to grow Brunch Digital, whether it's networking with people, selling our services, or you know, helping current clients. So who was the greatest influence on your life? My father was, was definitely the and tell me uh, Tell me a little bit more about what you mean. Uh, so my dad was an entrepreneur when I was a kid, um, still is, and basically I was attached to his hip all the time. He was teaching me life lessons, how to conduct business, um, how to talk about strategy, so I was, I was always learning from him. Why would your dad be talking to his little kid about that stuff? Um, I think my dad, he didn't really have a father growing up, so he wanted to be that sort of an inspiration and mentor to his own son, so I think he also got as much out of it as I did. What do you mean? Um, I think that seeing how I thought through processes and and thought through strategy was always helpful for my dad because it was someone that thought like him but may have thought about things differently so allowing himself to see the world and see business through a you know 12 year old's eyes sometimes was helpful for him how does that help your clients uh it really taught me to always put myself in others shoes and and try and see the world through their eyes what are you talking about well, I mean, in, in sales or, you know, in, in marketing, the, the greatest thing that you can do is try and envision what will resonate with your kind of target audience. So always teaching myself to think about problems from, from different directions and, and how people view them is, is really important. Sounds like your sensitivity really helps you in sales. I thought sales was just selling people stuff you wanted to sell. It sounds to me like the way you're defining sales is figure out what they really need. What's the website address of this organization called Brunch Digital? Sure, it's, uh, it's brunchdigital.com. Let me have that one more time. Brunchdigital.com. And your name again is? Daniel Patterson. And your role there? Business Development Manager. And this has been your Business Spotlight. And your name and organization is? Barton Goldenberg, ISM Inc. Mm-hmm. And Barton, what, what do you guys do for a living? We're a strategic consultancy for Fortune 100 companies specialized in customer strategy. Ah, so you're involved with strategy. How young were you when you were involved with strategy? At a very young age, uh, probably 10 years old, 12 years old, I started to work, and my family was always questioning why was I doing what I was doing? Could I do more? Could I do it better? Who in the family was questioning, and what was the effect of that on you? All of my family, because every one of them were entrepreneurs and owned their own business. So it was uncles, it was my parents, and it was various other relatives. So from everybody in the family, you were getting, you were, everybody was questioning you. You've learned how to ask a lot of questions, and you've learned how to answer the questions? I hope so. Tell me a little bit about the how's, your, how's that affected your business career. Um, I think that I've always tried to work with my clients to push the frontiers of learning forward, to ask them questions perhaps they don't ask in the boardrooms, to think about things that perhaps they're not thinking about. It also cuts across to philanthropy, where I'm a district governor for Rotary, and we try to push the frontiers of philanthropy forward as well. What's so special about Rotary? Um, the ability to give back to our communities and uh, on, a, on a local and international basis. Mm-hmm. So you're really involved with helping, with helping folks think things through, the same thing that your family did for you, which was to help you think through what are you really doing and why you're really trying to do it? That's a fair statement. Uh-huh. And uh, wh- what do you really enjoy about your job? I love to um, work with uh, bright individuals and executives to push the thinking forward of their company in terms of where they should be in the next five Excellent. to ten years. And what's your website address, Barton? ismguide.com. Let me have that one more time. ismguide.com. We were speaking with Barton Goldenberg, president, and the name of the organization is? ISM Inc., Bethesda, Maryland. And this has been your Business Spotlight. 
We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohn. We'd like to introduce Jim Loretto, who's managing partner of Evoke Consulting. Jim, what is Evoke Consulting? Evoke Consulting is a federal management consulting firm. Mm-hmm. How large or how small is this organization? Uh, we're a little over 200 folks in 16 states. And uh, how'd you get involved with this organization? Uh, my business partner, other owner, Greg Blaisdell, started in 2005, and I joined him, and we partnered together a year uh-huh. later. Where are you from originally? Bethesda, Maryland. How many brothers and sisters? I have one older sister, about a year apart. Uh-huh. And what was your favorite sport when you were a kid? Absolutely football. Why? Um, I watched it. I dreamed it. It was something I wanted to do growing up. Um, and what was and your role on the team? It event- eventually became quarterback of the football team, okay. but... I, I wasn't very good. So. Uh-huh. What was the personality <laughs> trait that you brought to being the quarterback? I think the point I just made about not being very good is I, I relied on other people. I always wanted to bring out the best in them, and uh, I think there's no ego on the table there. I think you, you, you know who the, the stars are. You know how to make sure that they're doing a great job. Any parallel between your uh, football quarterbacking and your role as managing partner of Evoke Consulting? I think I've translated a little bit more into the the coaching role. Um, I think some of the biggest influences in my life have been either coaches, teachers, mentors, my father. David? Um, You had a particular coach that was a mentor you mentioned. Tell us about that. Well, it was a a point in time where I transferred into my high school as a sophomore, and there was already a quarterback, and I was a backup, and I wanted to play quarterback. And um, they said, well, you're 5'3", a little guy at the time. Why don't you play center? And uh, he's like, no, I've actually seen him play. And he had that trust in, in, in me, and I didn't want to let him down. And uh, that's always been true with me with mentors. And um, you then were a junior officer in the Navy, I understand. And, of course, they a particular structure you mentioned in the green room, um, including the chiefs. And why don't you talk about that for a second? Sure. I, I, we were discussing, I think the Navy's a little bit different in that when you get to a ship, you, as a junior officer, you're leading at least 30 other uh, sailors on the ship. And, but you have a chief petty officer as a senior enlisted person, and the biggest mistake you can ever make is making a decision without first consulting with them, getting their advice, and getting their buy-in, and knowing that you don't have the answers, you're just a young kid. Mm-hmm. And how does that relate to what you do today as a manager? I, I think it just taught me that, you know, don't ever think you're the smartest person in the room, because you're not, and um, entrust the people around you, empower them, listen to them, and... Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it becomes more like a, a team kind of working together. Josh? So you told us in the green room that you also swam for a lot. That's a very individual sport at, at times. Can you tell how that was different from football and as well as how does that carry through your life today? Sure. So I, I swam competitively growing up, and uh, I think it takes two roles. One is it can be individual and in that you the practicing. And I think actually just like right now being in front of a microphone, when that – gun goes off and you've got to swim it's it's all on you but it may be part of the team and uh now swimming is actually still a big part of my life i've actually got into open water swimming and it's where i find a lot of peace in my life and thinking and thoughtful uh, about you know the business and where we're going Mm -hmm. jack you talk you talk a little bit about loyalty uh one thing that i picked up on as well is that that it sounds like you're very big on earning loyalty and earning um so where does that come from uh specifically in your life uh that definitely comes from my father um my my father grew up in the the bronx his father didn't graduate the seventh grade and uh he ended up becoming an ophthalmologist and uh very successful and i think one of the things he told me was when i said i really like to get a car he says i'd love to buy you one but i'm never going to do that and i realized at that point in life that uh it was really important to earn everything yourself. You didn't feel resentful that he wasn't going to buy you a car? No, I actually, I took it as a challenge. And actually, uh, it's, I joke that one of the reasons I joined the military was so I didn't have to listen to what he said. But um, the irony is that I had to listen to a lot more people tell me things. Gal? I know you mentioned in the green room that uh, part of your kind of persona is watching Rocky with your kids and really kind of setting uh, bold, audacious goals, if you will. Right. Um, you also mentioned, I want to prove everybody wrong, in a sense. Uh, well, where does that come from, and, well, and what does that mean in, in your leadership style? So I think there's two motivations in life. I think there are the proving other people wrong has always been like a one source of motivation. The other one is that people believe in you. You don't want to let them down. And I think the other one can be more powerful. And I think as a leader in, um, of a business, 
is believing in people and showing them because they may not have had that growing up. They may not have a mentor in their life. And if you believe in them, they'll run through walls for you. So um, I just truly believe in setting goals and keep doing them. And, you know, if your goal is not scary enough, as something Muhammad Ali actually said, then it's it's probably not big enough. Mm-hmm. Mark? So you have particular values. You talked about loyalty as being a big th- for you. What personal values do you have that you expect from your employees as well? I think it, one is is loyalty, and it's, it's really a, a mutual res, uh, mutual respect when it comes to that. One of the my jobs is to provide opportunity uh, for them for growth. I think it's a little different in our community. A lot of people think of consulting and contractor companies as just hiring for a certain contract. We do it as a career opportunity, and so that's one of our jobs. Um, I think from their perspective, it's their job to perform and us to reward them for the performance mm-hmm. what uh, brings you comfort <laughs> i think uh brings me comfort is is my family i think it keeps me grounded is uh coming home and, and seeing that you know i'm very blessed in that regard uh-huh. how many you have, you're married I'm, I'm married 21 how many, how many years kids? three kids how many kids what's the similarity between being a dad and being the managing partner of a boat consulting I think it's, you know, the the fun part to me has always been the helping them shape and their goals. And I, I talk about in life uh, with them a lot of not being happy or having a bunch of money. It's what's going to give you fulfillment in life. And that's something that I think translates to the, to the office place as well. Because if you come to work, you don't believe in the company or you don't believe in what they're doing and what they're working for, you're not going to be enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Earlier, you, you, you made a mistake and you told us something about uh, <coughs> your wife. What, so w- what does your wife think of you? Uh, she thinks a lot of great things about me, I hope. hope but mm-hmm. uh, I was joking that she uh, she says that I'm never satisfied, and I just joke that I'm goal-oriented. What, 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 what's that? What's she mean by that, you're never satisfied? Well, I think, you know, we started this company, and, uh, you know, myself and Greg, and we've grown it. And when we got to about 100 people, a lot of times people make things a lifestyle company and whatever, but that was never our goal and objective. It was always about providing opportunity for other people. But it seems there's a dichotomy there. On one hand, you're talking about finding meaning and fulfillment, and on the other hand, you're talking about the sky's the limit. I, what's that all about? Give me that. Well, I think the satisfaction of setting goals and achieving them, how big they are, um, is in you know people always say this, but it's true. I think it's about the journey of it. So, so what really turns you on is setting higher goals. You like challenging yourself. Yeah, I, d- I never want to f- stop that. So that's where you find your meaning. That's part of where you find your meaning. Like you're trying to help your kids identify their meaning. You're trying to help your teammates identify their meaning. Your meaning really comes from. It's not from you know you hear rotten things about CEOs, but that's not who you are. You're really coming from building a team and just keep on raising the bar, aren't you? Well, I think that teamwork is probably undersold in the business world i think if you put the right team together they can excel tremendously and i also believe if you have someone that's underperforming or not doing a job it can be poison to an environment and 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 just like you would see on a sports team so i think managing those types of relationships and work and you know teaching those things those values well, to what was your effect of, what was the effect of your dad on your team building insights I think with my dad, it was it was always, um, you know, living up to someone that took f- something from nothing and created something, and um, and really had that ethic of strong work. So does teamwork your, was. Does was your a dad different. know what you're doing nowadays? He does. Um, how, and do you, how do you think he feels about what you're doing? You know, what's funny is uh, I recently had uh, you know one business doing well, and I had a, a big accomplishment uh, in swimming recently, and. He told me he was proud of me, and it was funny. It was like the first time he had said that, and I said, okay, you can die now. And I, it was like this <laughs> great joke between us. So why do, you think he said he, why do you think he said he was proud of you? What was he, what was he proud of? Well, I think he always had been. I think that you know, the generation before wasn't just a thing you said. It was more about action. And I think now um, as we've evolved over time, uh, both myself and him, is you realize that it's okay to say those things to people. Yeah. What's the website address for Evoke Consulting? It is uh, evokeconsulting.com, E-V-O-K-E consulting.com. We've been speaking with Jim Loretto, managing partner of Evoke Consulting here on Executive Leaders Radio. We'll be back right after this break. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loudon Free Clinic. 
And you were telling me there's some, something special about the Loudon Free Clinic where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care. And what kind of clinic is this? Who are, you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do? So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math again. Give me how that works. So essentially, I have a, a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver you know, anywhere from $8 uh, in care for our patients. Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of health care down and therefore multiplying the dollars. And making one of, it one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest. And didn't, ah, interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself? What were they? I have. I've had four open heart surgeries, and mm -hmm. it helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What did you, what did you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a, a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, mm -hmm. parents, mm -hmm. family, all those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope. Uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. What's the website address for the Loudon Free Clinic? Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. We've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your Business Spotlight. Thank you. This is John Schuhart. Joining us for our Business Spotlight is Barry File. Who are you with, Barry? I'm with Celebrate Fairfax, a yeah. 501c3 nonprofit in Fairfax, Virginia. And what do you do with uh, Celebrate Fairfax? I am very fortunate to be the president and CEO of the organization. So what does Fairfax, or excuse me, Celebrate Fairfax do? We have a mission to celebrate Fairfax County and its communities. We serve the 1.1 million people who live in the county and all, as well as all the people who uh, visit and work there. So uh, what do you enjoy about working at Celebrate Fairfax? It is the best job in the world. It is. We come to work every day, my team and I. And we get to prepare and plan and produce events for 75,000, 100,000 people. And we treat them like, we think of them like, like they're our, our friends. So, so we get to come in and just plan great events for them. What makes those events so special? We try to be unique uh, within this region especially, but we're always trying to stretch the envelope of what people expect from events. People go to events because they want to have great experiences. And for us, we are always trying to give them that return on investment because they're not giving us necessarily a lot of money when they come to our event, but they are giving us their time and their energy, and that's an important thing. People want that ROI back. So did you ever think you'd be doing this when you were a kid? No, never. I, I think that when I was a kid, I, I, was, I was building things, designing things, and somewhere along the line I fell into events and realized that it was a natural extension for me, that I just loved producing things. So what was it about being a kid that led you to this? Um, I think that it was just the challenges that were there. I always tried to figure out solutions to problems that didn't exist, and uh, that's what we do now. It's, it's the same principle. So when did you first start overcoming big challenges as a kid? Uh, I think I always was. Uh, I think that uh, I lived in a household with two older kids, parents who had their own things going on, and I think for me, I just always uh, tried to find my own way. What's your website? Our website is CelebrateFairfax.com. This is John Schuhart, and this has been your Business Spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. I'd like to introduce Jennifer Wayman, President and CEO of Hager Sharp. Jennifer, what is Hager Sharp? What are you guys doing? We're a creative agency that focuses on helping people live healthier, safer, more educated lives through innovative marketing and communications. Mm -hmm. How old is this firm and how large or how small is it? Uh, it's almost 50 years. It was formed in 1973 mm -hmm. um, and we have about 55 employees. And how long have you been with the organization? Three and a half years. And where are you from originally? Long Island, New York. How many brothers and sisters? I don't have any. I'm an only child. Uh-huh. How young were you when you started uh, making money? I hopped on my bike when I was about 11 or 12 and, and ran down to the corner stores or a bunch of businesses in our town and, and tried to find a, a job to make some money in the summer. All right. Hold on, hold on for a second. You're 11 or 12 years old, and you jumped on your bike, and you didn't go to one store to get a job. You went to how many different stores? I probably went to about 10 until I find one that 
would take me. And 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 who who told you to do this? Or where'd the courage come from to do this? I, I don't really know. I just kind of got the idea in my head one day. I, I wanted to earn some money. Um, and I remember coming home and telling my parents, and they were pretty pretty surprised. Uh, so you told your parents you you got yourself Instead a job. I just got a job at eleven years old. You knocked on ten different. St- and what kind of where where was the job at? Where'd you so, get the job at? So it was in our town. It was at a corner store. They sort of sold um, knickknacks and magazines. And How that long sort of did thing. you work there for? I worked there for the summer. Uh huh. What were you supposed to do there? What did they hire you to do? Uh, really, just to help uh, uh-huh. work the cashier. And what did, uh, you, check what did you out. What did you end up doing there? Um, I organized a lot of the inventory. I um, were I you hired to do that? No, not initially. Oh, so you ended up taking the job the next level. I just wanted to make sure I understood, Josh. So, uh, regarding the organization, you also talked about earlier. Your um, you used to hang out with your dad when you were eight at his job. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. My dad um, started his own uh, contracting company. They did ceilings and and walls for interior buildings and. Um, he had a number of partners and would bring me into his office um, on, on the summers or in vacations and, and ask me to help sort of do some clerical work and help him organize um, his papers and his files. How did you feel about that stuff? It was fun. I got to see my dad in his in his work environment. He was proud of what he had built, and uh, I got to see sort of how he ran so the company. So you sort of like a, got a positive acclimation to business, huh, at the age of eight. Jack? I'd like to talk a little, <coughs> a little bit about being an only child, um, you know, I know that presents different challenges for different people. How did that, how did that play out for you when you were a child? I think for me, it forced me to have much stronger relationships with my friends because they were um, my source of support. I didn't have siblings to fall back on. Uh-huh. How's that playing out nowadays in your business career? Um, I think it gives me a sense of, of how to work with people with different backgrounds, different um, different experiences in their lives, different passions, um, and it helps me to build build teams in a more cohesive way. Do you feel alone? Sometimes, but um, it's probably why I had four kids. <laughs> uh huh. So you have four kids. Uh, you're married. Yes. How many years you've been married? Twenty five. Similarity between being a mom and the president and CEO of Hager Sharp. I think, again, learning to manage different types of personalities. My kids are all very different. They all have different interests, all different things that make them tick and that they care about. And you have to do the same thing in the workplace when you're trying to work with your team. Do you, do you really think uh, the, the family having four kids has something to do with your childhood? I do. Um, I, I had a wonderful time being an only child. My parents and I were sort of the three musketeers, and I had a lot of privilege to go on some lovely vacations and things like that, but I always wished I had a sibling next to me mm-hmm. uh, to enjoy that with. Uh-huh. David? Um, with an only child, occasionally they'll mention that their parents tried to project on them to be you know, the greatest athlete, the, the brightest student in school. Um, that didn't apply to you, to your parents. No, they were pretty hands off. They um, they were proud of my success. They always showed up at my sporting events and um, encouraged me in school. But they let me find my own path and figure out what I enjoyed doing. From your parents, what did you take from from each of them that that helps you today? I think from my dad, I learned organizational skills and, and planning ahead and really thinking um, about the next step. Um, from my mom, I definitely got my writing skills and I think the ability to kind of connect with people. Mm-hmm. Gal? Uh, in the green room, you mentioned that you have different groups of friends from different uh, functionalities, if you will. Uh, that's very sophisticated, especially from a young age to uh, becoming a CEO. Uh, where do you get that? Um, I think I was just following my interests, so I, I did like to play sports, and, and I had teammates on my sports teams that were not necessarily the same kids that were in my classes, and so I had different groups of friends that just kind of formed naturally from that. How do you think it relates to what you do right now? Um, I think, again, it helps me sort of be a bit of a connector between people. Um, you know, we have different different functions and different groups in our office, and it gives me the ability, I think, to help people work together and find common ground. Mm-hmm. Mark? What was the common role that you played in all those different groups? Um, I think I was a lot uh, the planner. I would kind of um, help, you know, be the one that would get on the telephone and, and call everybody and figure out what we were going to do together that evening. Um, kind of folks looked to me to help make those plans. Sounds kind of, kind of similar mm-hmm. to what you're doing now. <laughs> it is. Uh, was there a particularly profound or, uh, or insightful experience growing up? Uh, I I would have to say when we moved. So after middle school or junior high, we moved to a new town. And so I had to start high school with a whole new group of people in a new town um, and just sort of uh, forced me to create new friendships and a new 
um, a new sense of belonging in a new place. Did that make you stronger as a person? I think it did. Um, I think it really gave me the courage to just go up and walk up to people that I didn't know and, and talk to them and introduce myself and, and hopefully find some new friends that way. Jennifer, you've talked a lot about being an only child, and now you have four children. How have they – what's the difference from when you – before you had kids and how you approach business after? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I have to manage my time a lot better because um, I really care about being at the events that my kids have. So uh, getting to their baseball games and their, um, and their plays and things like that. Um, so it forces me to be very judicious with my time in the office and also to be flexible with that. So if I need to finish something up later on in the evening, I'll do that so that I can be there at their events. What have you learned from your kids that's helped you in business? I'm, I'm in awe of my daughter because she's a singer and she auditions for musicals and um, I just find that so inspi- inspirational because it's not at all anything I ever did and not anything that I would have had the courage to have done or the talent to have done. Um, so I think it, um, it shows me that you know by putting herself out there, she's been able to achieve things that she didn't think she could do and it, it inspires me to try to do the same thing but she she's putting herself out there on stage you put yourself out there knocking on 10 doors for a job don't you think you're doing the same thing that's true i i guess that's true but earlier you mentioned that you don't necessarily like the spotlight on you you're more of an introvert so i'm trying to reconcile this whole thing i'm more focused on um getting the work done well and being proud of that work and achieving goals with my team that um, we've set for ourselves then about who who gets (coughs) the credit for it um, I really believe that we all work together. We all have a role to play in success. And um, I would just as soon n- not even have my name associated with it. Much rather have the team. Were you like that as a kid as well? I think I was. What do you mean? Give me an example. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, I played volleyball and I was the shortest player on the team. Um, so I wasn't the person spiking the ball at the net. But I, um, I became a really strong server and I played the back, back line. So I sort of viewed myself almost more of as support on the team mm-hmm. it wasn't the showy um is that the way you see yourself nowadays yeah, it is but even though you're it says here you're the president and ceo you see yourself as support huh i do i mean i'm i'm really not i hope my team would feel i'm not one to shy away i don't there's not any task that i would ask anybody there to do that i wouldn't do myself i'm there yeah in the evenings late working on proposals with them i'm editing i'm writing i'm proofreading if i need to um, mm-hmm. I, you know, we all work together to do what it takes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds like instruction. <laughs> uh-huh. Jack, what else are you thinking? S- so based on that, it's almost safe to say that, that being more selfless in business has helped you to kind of connect with your team a little bit more, you know, to be very approachable as a CEO. I would like to think that. I really, um, I do want people to feel like they can come talk to me and ask questions and, and get info and get insight. Um, and advice, and uh, I just certainly would would want to be able to seek that from them as well. So it's really a two way street. So you really view. enjoy the relationship with your I do. people. Yeah, that's interesting. What, what, what's the uh, website of this organization known as Hager? It's HagerSharp dot com. H a g e r s h a r p dot com. Let me have that one more time. HagerSharp dot com. HagerSharp dot com. We've been speaking with. Jennifer Wayman, President and CEO of Hager Sharp here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com. That's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, that's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, we will be back in a moment right after this business spotlight. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, Some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, they, the, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows the next 
great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh -huh. what's happening. So your, idea, your, your thought is that in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm -hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? Hell no. It's a lot longer uh -huh. than that, baby. So do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, it's organization. Bolsonbid.com, and, and you can download Boston Connect mobile app. Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more Balsambid. time. Bolsonbid.com. It's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. Your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. One help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you've ser you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Kevin Keeney, president and founder of Keeney Produce. Kevin, what is Keeney Produce? What are you guys doing? Kini Produce is a wholesale fruit and vegetable specialty distributor. Uh, how large or how small is the organization and how long has it been in business? We, we currently have 550 employees and we've been in business for 40 years. And how did you get a job with this company? I started the company. Uh, you started this company, which is 550 people 40 years ago. Where are you from originally? Tucson, Arizona. And how many brothers and sisters do you have? Eight. Eight brothers and sisters, you started a business 40 years ago, 550 people. Where are you in the pecking order of the eight brothers and sisters? I'm, I'm fourth. And what was the upside of you, being, of you growing up in the middle of eight brothers and sisters? Well, the upside currently is I'm the oldest of my three brothers that are partners in my business. Currently. So you brought your three younger brothers into the business? Correct. All righty. Okay, this is interesting. Josh, where do you want to go from here? So tell me a little bit about the difference between uh, your siblings and how you stand apart with the age difference or the um, maturity levels. Well, we're all very close in age. My my three brothers and myself, and is, is all of my all of my siblings. My parents had eight kids in ten years, so so we're very close. Um, um, maturity levels. Um, I can't really say that uh -huh. I'm more mature than them. Uh -huh. <laughs> Tell us, what was going on? You said you had a turning point in your life, about 15. What was that all about? Well, I, I went to work f for my father. In, um, my father was a government contractor, and uh, 
he did custodial work at the area mess halls in the Washington metropolitan area, and mm -hmm. I went to work for my father at a mess hall at Andrews Air Force Base when I was 15. And what were you doing? Primarily washing dishes and, and, and doing pots and pans. So why was that such a moving experience for you? Well, uh, you know, to see the organization, the military organization, and, and to see the, the way that uh, the military does things and, and the perfection that they require. So you learned about running an operation when you were 15 years old. You were observing the running of an operation, weren't you? Correct, and, and how to work together. Um, there, at that time, the military, um, they p did all of the prep, and, and they would cook all of the meals, and the, oh my father's boy. company did, like, custodial work. So you, know, you were so seeing not only uh, the organization, but you were watching a process as well. Correct. Uh-huh, correct. Jack? You also stated in the green room that earlier in your life, in seventh grade, uh, you were delivering papers with your older brother. Correct. Uh, so you got the seven-year-old, you know, at seventh grade, and then at 15 again. Did you ever feel like a great deal of pressure with eight siblings to, to kind of make a success of yourself and to put yourself out there? Yes, yes. My, my mother and father um, brought seven children from Tucson, Arizona, to Washington, D.C., and we moved into Mr. Wick's motel. So there was always a lot of pressure in our family to to succeed. If if we if we wanted gas for our cars, we had to have a job. If we wanted to buy a car, we had to buy it ourselves. So there was there was always pressure. So how's that affecting you nowadays? Oh, I guess you built a five hundred and fifty person company. You're pretty driven, huh? Correct. Let you me know, ask you a question. Do you have the fanciest car? No. Why not? You certainly could afford it with five hundred and fifty people. <laughs> well, you're in the spotlight when you when you have 550 employees and you're not you do not want to stick out with the fanciest car of all, all right, 550. Well, let me ask you a question. If you if you if you, let's assume you weren't sticking out, would that would that fanciest car uh, feed you? Is that what you find meaningful? No. What no. do you find meaningful? I find meaningful. Um, the competitive side of the business is very meaningful to me. It's not always the money, but it's, 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 it, we're in a very competitive environment. So you enjoy and, the and challenge. Correct. Every you day. You implicitly enjoy the challenge. That's yes, what I really do turns you on. It's not yes. necessarily the money. Interesting. Um, David, what are you thinking? Um, you mentioned earlier in the mess hall and the, the, the dirty pots and pans are stacked <laughs> up to the ceiling. So you've got a challenge there. And so, so tell us. You're the boss's kid. Why are you rolling up your sleeves and, and diving in there? Aren't you entitled to just kick back? and? Yeah. No, not really. Um, I guess um, there was a lot of peer pressure in our family. And, 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 and we were always, we, we wanted to make our, our father's company proud of us. We wanted our father to be proud of us. And so that was always, that was always in the, it was always in the forefront front of, our, of our minds. Was your father a mentor to you? Correct. Yes, okay. he was. He was. And, and how do you want your 550 employees to roll up their sleeves? And, and you're, you're working right along with them. And what do you take to your current job? Well, my, my current position, um, it's, it's been a, uh, it, it's a work in progress. You know, there's, there's, there's always failures in, in our business. And uh, you have to be resilient. You always have to. You know, the resiliency is, is, a, is, a, is something that's key. You have to always come back. You know, mm -hmm. even when you have really, really bad days, mm -hmm. uh, you, you have to come back and, mm -hmm. and, and face the music the Gal? next day. Wait, what's on your mind? I know that uh, you mentioned before to us that uh, you got two uh, faces of Kevin, if you will, uh, that come out of uh, your mom. Well, and I understand your father. that the, the, the why why'd you name the company Keeney? Why Keeney? Because um, it's a family business, and I was hoping that my that my family would would enter it in with me. It was always it was always my vision that it would be a family business. Tell me more about that. What do you mean? Well, my, my father, having the corporate structure, um, he had the business acumen, uh, the, the accounts payable, accounts receivable, you know, that, that, that side of the business. And, and I, knew the, I knew the produce business, the buying and selling of, of fresh fruits and vegetables, and we, and we married together. Very Does your dad know about your success, 550 employees? Is he aware of that? My dad 
he's looking down, yes, he, he is aware of that. Uh-huh. How do you think he felt or feels or would have felt knowing about your success? My father's very proud of, of, of Why? his family. Well, just um, because we, we sort of are like the, the phoenix. We've, ro- we've risen from the ashes, you know. We've, we've, come, we've come a long way. Didn't you mention something to me? You know, you're, you're, you have three brothers, three younger brothers that are partners in the business as well. Mm-hmm. And Dad gave the four of you some advice. What was that advice? The advice was always protect the golden goose. Never always hold the business in a higher esteem as yourselves and do not do not bicker and 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 cause friction in the business that that where where did your dad's wisdom come from it sounded to me like he just understood people Um, i think my dad was totally a self-made man and Mm -hmm. and and he he struggled his whole life, and, and once, once he, he achieved success, he was never going to look back. So would you say, have you taken his role, his company, and grown that even further because you're in a similar industry that he was? Correct, correct. He, 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 he is amazed at, 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 at the growth of our company. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Well, that, that we went into a different segment of business, and we just grew it exponentially, that he, he, in his wildest dreams, could never, never envisioned anything like this. How about your mom's role in all this? My mother was always nurturing and familial. She was always the, she was always the, uh, the person that we would go to uh, because we couldn't talk to dad. We talked to mom, and, 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 and he was tough. He was tough, so she would, always, she would always be that nurturing side. So what do you bring from mom to work every day? I think I bring um, a trust to the company where, you know, I, 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 I you know, that where, where I know that we have a, a huge responsibility to ourselves and our employees and our customers. And I think my mom has always helped us in, in, in just, just having, having trust and in, in, in knowing that she has confidence in, in her boys. Huh, how about that? Uh, how come you don't retire? Good question. Yeah, um, I I don't know. I just um, you enjoy the I, challenge. I'm, I'm 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 driven. I'm driven. You just like, but you could retire if you wanted to. I mean, absolutely. I but could. you don't want to. Not really. No, I don't. I, the, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't know what to, to, to do. I have to stay home and wash the dishes. You know? So it's interesting. <laughs> so as opposed to uh, retiring, which you thought was the American dream, you really like working. The mastery of working. The challenge. What's the website address for Keeney Produce? KeeneyProduce.com. K e a n y. P-R-O-D-U-C-E dot com. We've been speaking with Kevin Keeney, president and founder of Keeney Produce here on Executive Leaders Radio. We've also had the opportunity of speaking with Sherry Ann Kelly, President and CEO Association of Chamber of Commerce Executives, Jim Loretto, Managing Partner of Evoke Consulting, Jennifer Wayman, President and CEO of Hager Sharp, and again, most recently, Kevin Keeney, President and Founder of Keeney Produce. I'd like to thank my co-hosts, Mark Haas, Association for Enterprise Growth, David Kunzman, Pretori Law, Gal Borenstein, Borenstein Group, Josh Levy, Brunch Digital, and Jack Bender, FVC Bank, for giving me a hand structuring the questions. Hope for providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. I'd like to thank our listening audience for listening. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. Thank you for joining us today, and have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.